Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have David Jagan, managing partner of F Prime Capital. David, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you as well. Nice to be here. So to give us a, a quick overview of just where you're coming from, can you start by telling us a little bit about F Prime Capital and your background there? Sure. Um, so as some folks may know, F Prime Capital is one of the largest VC funds in the world, investing in technology and healthcare. We've got teams now in the US, Europe, and Asia. And we've been investing over 50 years with a very long time, early days of venture capital with the privilege of backing some of the earlier iconic you know, venture-backed companies that some of your listeners may remember, some may not, but Atari, MCI, and Nuance Communications uh, were early ones. And as we launched uh, investment funds overseas, you know, we also invested in companies like Alibaba, where we were the first seed investor in China, just as a result of being really early there. And I manage our, our tech fund in the Americas, where we're early stage investors by right, you know, love and pursuit, and fintech and enterprise software areas that we are, uh, represent most of the investments in our portfolio. And we, in particular, I in particular, love the intersection of those two. So some of our recent investments include companies like Toast, in the restaurant point of sale, Flywire, Vertical Education and, and hospital or Healthcare, uh, Kensho and One Up Health. And then in the, the real estate space and, and some of the topics we'll talk about today, SnapDocs, Unison, Latchel, our recent investments in PropTech as well. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think there's a lot of interesting stories, I'm sure that you could tell about some of those companies that you just rattled off there. I mean, today, we're going to be talking about kind of the, the mortgage and real estate side of things. But I'm going to I just made a note to follow up with you and just really pick your brain about what all else you've got going on in there, because there's a lot of interesting stories in there, I'm sure. But but let's, let's dive into, you know, the topic for today, which is really one of the most painful financial transactions that most people have to undertake. And, and that's the mortgage process. Whenever I have friends or family members who uh, go out and get a mortgage, they always come back to me and say, how come this process is so painful? You know, you work in financial technology, why isn't it better? And, and I say to myself, you know, well, it's not necessarily my fault exactly, but I do get where their frustration is coming from. It's a process that is simultaneously invasive and impersonal, which is a really difficult combination to try and reconcile with. So let's talk about this because there's obviously room for improvement. You know, what do you see as being the biggest problem with the way mortgages and that process currently works. Yeah, well, you say it in a really poignant way. And yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever meet a consumer who says they love their mortgage process. I, I, I think the problems stem in twofold. You know, one is a market structure problem, which is hard for any of us to solve. But it, there was a day before the 30-year mortgage when, you know, pretty much everyone got their mortgage from their local bank. And that bank handled everything from, from the beginning of the collection of documents and pretty much probably knew the borrower ahead of time all the way through to the closing. And they kept the loan on their books. So like the servicer was even the same party that made the loan. And with the introduction of the 30-year mortgage, that began this process of breaking up and fragmenting uh, the mortgage process. And I think that structure now of having many participants in the process, you know, one bank gives you the mortgage, another bank buys the mortgage, you have another servicer and somewhere in between, you've got you know, your real estate broker, title agents, notaries, lawyers, and so forth. And I think that has just led to a lot of 
participants in the process and a lot of introduced complexity and certainly a lot of extra cost, right? It's a kind of $42 billion a year go towards fees just for the origination through closing. So that's probably one thing. And unfortunately, we're not going to solve that quickly or today. Um, but I think a second part that that is getting um, addressed more quickly is the technology to, to do those things. And, you know, there it. A lot of it exists, fortunately. You know, we've had some much, much improvement in the point of sale, which is like the application process, maybe even ahead of that, the search process for mortgages is, you know, almost every search today in the U.S. starts online. Um, and we're gradually working our way through with improved technology for the closing experience so that, you know, consumers have a end-to-end digital experience, not just a beginning digital experience. So, you know, those are two things that make it tough. Yeah, no, I think one of the, the kind of end to end digital experience is still obviously really difficult to uh, to find. And you see a lot of digital banking transactions that get to a certain point and say, okay, now come see us in the branch. And you're like, well, that's that's not really a digital process, is it? That's just lead generation, which is uh, valuable from a bank standpoint, but ultimately not from a consumer standpoint. So let, let's talk a little bit more about the technologies, though, that you see as being helpful in pushing this process into the 21st century. Um, does that technology technology already exist or is it still being developed? Well, I think like a lot of technology, it exists, but it's not widely deployed or adopted. And, mm-hmm. and we're in that phase of, of lender adoption, but early cycles. So if you think of the mortgage process as having three big chunks, there's the what you call the application process, the point of sale. And then there is underwriting that is largely a black box and consumers just kind of wait on the lender to, to give answers there. And, and then the third process is closing. And if you go back to the first, the point of sale is actually really far along in terms of improvements. And that started with companies like Blend and Roostify that were early in just building entirely new uh, uh, borrower portals and using technologies like Plaid or Quovo you know, to ingest data automatically rather than always asking for borrowers to submit paper. So we, we have a ways to go there, but uh, in terms of uh, making that really seamless and slick, but the adoption by lenders is way above 50% today and has significantly improved for borrowers and consumers. Um, the closing side is an area that is rapidly picking up in terms of lender adoption and the technologies exist. I'm on the board of a company called SnapDocs, which is one of the leaders in digital closings, but other companies like Blend and, and uh, Notarize Spruce have good digital closing packages as well. And what's happening there is, is, is the uh, ability to not require you know, consumers and borrowers to go into that dark windowless room that probably anybody who's got a mortgage remembers, where you sit down with strangers, not even your lender, and you start flipping through pages, reviewing them, and in you know, sometimes a pretty stressful environment, have to sign you know, 75 times, right? That yeah. process is moving uh, more digitally now today as well. Although, yeah, you know, I can give you some numbers, but like it's probably 10 to 15% of lenders are doing anything in the digital mortgage and only 4% of all mortgages are end-to-end digital today. But that's that's up from practically nothing in 2018. Sure. And I guess you have to say improvement is improvement there. And hopefully we can continue to grow that. If there's any kind of exponential growth there at all, then maybe things will actually change there. I think the the scenario you just outlined is certainly one that I remember when I got my own mortgage going into the room and all of a sudden, you know, I don't write anymore. Who who writes things by hand? My, my 
my wrist was literally cramping by the end just from having to sign so many times and i'm thinking to myself there, there has to be a better way but again you know this is a decade ago so i'm sure people who are going through the process now feel this even more um what do you think are the biggest roadblocks when it comes to making the process easier i mean obviously we need to change consumer behavior and expectations we need to change bank behavior and expectations what do you see as being the biggest pitfalls or roadblocks that we need to kind of push through to really drive this forward well one answer is 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 painful because it's so hard to change but it's changing slowly you know part of it is the structure so there if you build your way up from counties and states that often dictate how something can be filed, mortgages can be filed. States that determine whether an online notarization is even legal you know, for a mortgage. And then you have federal laws about how that can happen. Each of those has to kind of move in this direction of digital, uh, accepting end-to-end -end digital processes. Um, that is slowly happening. I will say, you know, a, a lot changed during COVID, you know, in terms of the uh, states reacting to the need for digital closing when people could not meet face to face. Um, but one of, you know, I, 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 to the credit of the, the government, you know, service entities, so like Fannie Mae and, 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 and Ginny Mae, they've actually been the most forward leaning participants in the ecosystem, I think. And for over 10 years, you know, Fannie Mae has accepted digital mortgages and encourage lenders to do that. Um, but it is has been difficult to adopt if and, and I'll give an example of like why, but it's because you need every participant in a loan to say a digital mortgage is okay with them. But if you have an originator like Federal Savings Bank, you know, they originate a loan, they might keep some of it on their, their bank deposit, but they're likely going to sell some to wholesalers the correspondent banks, mm -hmm. and only some wholesale banks will buy e-notes. Some will, some won't. Assuming they sell some of them to wholesalers who are willing to buy them, you may that wholesaler may find some states allow uh, you know, online notarizations and others don't. So only the ones that are borrowers in the right states you know, can actually have an online experience. So each of those pieces of the process you know, needs to move and accept the digital mortgage. And that's really the main roadblock, roadblock more than technology, certainly, but the main, yeah. main roadblock to wide scale adoption. Well, I really appreciate that answer because you've given me ammunition now. Next time somebody asks me, how come this process is so painful? I now have something intelligent I can say. So, so thank you for that. But it really does under, underscore, you know, just how big the challenges are and, and how multifaceted they are. And when you look at, you know, county by county, state by state, you know, all of the regulations and things that go into this, obviously it's, it's really complicated. Now you mentioned something just there that I want to dive into a little bit more. Uh, talking about the COVID pandemic and, and how that's changed the status quo. You know, we know it's pushed digital adoption in a lot of other financial areas. Has there been a big change in the mortgage space as a result of what we've just seen over the past, you know, call it 18 months? It's been incredible to be, you know, you, you hit on a key point and I, you know, most of the listeners probably, you know, think about Shopify and Amazon and how well they did during COVID, but um, mortgages were, you know, had an incredible tailwind for a couple of reasons. You know, one, COVID did, you know, stopped people from meeting face-to-face -face for a while. And that forced lenders to say, how are we going to continue to close mortgages? We have to move digitally. So there was a surge in lender adoption of digital closing technologies just to keep the business moving along. Um, I, the second thing is, you know, some of the states responded appropriately saying, look, we, 
right now, no one can do an online notarization in our state. And so I think there were like 14 states going into COVID where it was legal and 29 additional states approved it either temporarily or permanently within wow. the first COVID. So like talk about a, you know, a catalyst for regulatory change. Um, and so that has greatly improved the adoption of digital technologies. I think, you know, the other thing that's just happened in mortgages, as we've all seen is as interest rates fell, you know, the volume of mortgages and refinancings, you know, surged. So we went from, you know, kind of a historical average of like 8 million new mortgages uh, a year to, you know, 12 million in 2020. So, if, you know, a 50% spike uh, due to the falling interest rates. So that kept lenders really busy too. Sure. No, I think that really, I had no idea it was that big of a jump, but it makes sense when you think about all the different factors going on there. So you know, we're, we're coming up on the end of our time and I want to uh, finish by really zooming way out now. We've talked a little bit about sort of where we are now. Obviously, one of the challenges for everybody is looking at what the new status quo looks like as we look to move beyond the pandemic and look to try and figure out what business as usual means. What do you see uh, the mortgage process looking like five years from now? What was kind of the vision in your head for how the process could be? Well, it's easy to, as everyone says, you know, overstate the rate of change in the short term and understate it in the long term. But I think we, for mortgage and digital, digital end-to-end digital mortgage experience, I think that we can now draw a straight line from the three to 4% that are completely digital today to in five years time, probably close to half, if not the you know, majority of mainstream borrowers, meaning kind of like pretty clear, you know, easy to underwrite traditional mortgages being an end-to-end digital. And I think that that would be a huge jump, obviously, and a big change. But I think we're we're we the stage is set for that, and it's now just a process of banging out uh, adoption by lenders. So that would be my hope and and expectation, you know, for a five-year time frame. I think 10 years is, you know more fun to imagine because and and i maybe when i think about that it is less about mortgage technology and probably more about borrowers and homeowners having access to very different types of products so in other words today you know if you you and i talk about buying a home pretty much the main question is you know did you get a mortgage or where did you get your mortgage yeah but i think going forward there'll be you know you'll you'll ask people about did you sell part of your home to an investor, you know, to help finance it? Did you get sell 10% of your home to someone for equity and another 50% uh, to, you know, did you borrow via a mortgage? And maybe the same will be true for homeowners who are retiring, you know, where they have long, you know, uh, kind of looked at their house as their single largest asset. But with many new investment products from companies like Unison, or one of our investments, or HomeTap and Point, where, you know, you can sell a fraction of your home and continue to live in it without paying any interest because there are investors who want exposure to, uh, you know, real estate, home price appreciation. So I think that flexibility is really interesting and, and will turn the home into more of a semi-liquid asset. Yeah, which I think is one of the more exciting aspects. When you look at what fintech really can do, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head here. When you look, when you look at creating a new type of product, a new type of service that now becomes possible with some of the tech tools that we've got available, um, it's not difficult to imagine 
some of these pieces coming to pass, right? Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot that needs to go a certain way. And I think there needs to be a kind of a continued push, a concerted effort to make the process smoother, make it better, and just make it more um, tech fluid. But I think, you know, what you're talking about 10 years down the road is really interesting. And I think it's something which is a win-win, right? The investors, you can easily imagine wanting access to this type of investment opportunity. Homeowners, you can easily imagine wanting to be able to get some of the capital out of their homes on a more liquid basis. So, you know, it's just fascinating to think about how cool this all could look. And I certainly hope that your vision comes to pass. I think it would be excellent for everybody if we're able to get to a point where a lot of that comes true. So um, uh, that takes us to the end of our time today. Again, it's been David Jagan, Managing Partner at F Prime Capital. Uh, I've learned a lot. I hope everybody else has as well. David, thanks again for joining me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>